Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Listen, Paula show, the Jesus and Dr. Paula A. Price show, I always crack up at people who have to say every piece of Dr. Price's name every time they say her name. It is comical, and I just appreciate it. Wow, I'm, I'm starting today. There we go. I just know it's going to be that kind of day already. Whatever is about to roll out from the Spirit of God, hold on to everything you have. Get out your slap cloth. Get out your own gavel. Get out your special effect. If you're on your job, just be ready to have to control yourself in public because whatever God has to say, we need to be ready to hear it. And so before we jump into that, let's talk about what we have going on here. Firstly, today's sale is, uh, what is it? Hold on. 5% off of prophetic ed- uh, services, which are the prophetic advisements, life advisements, if you sign up today or tomorrow, and also our Omni Leadership Package, which includes, now that you are a leader, four audios and an article for $39.99. Now, let me tell you something. This is a gift. This is almost free for everything you're getting for $39.99. Let's not be those people who will tell someone like Dr. Price or Dr. Price, your resources are worth so much more, and then when they go on sale, crickets. Invest in you. Invest in your future. Invest in, in the people that you are going to be leading. Let's, let's help them out even before you get to them. Many times we want to get somewhere because of our anointing, because of a prophecy. Well, God gave me a word, and that's all I know. And that's the problem, actually, is that's all you know, is that prophecy. You don't know the field. You don't know the people. You don't have connections. You haven't been tried. You haven't been tested. All you know is your prophecy. If all you know about what God has called you to do is the word concerning what he has called you to do, you're not ready. So don't try and push your way into anything until you have been duly educated and proven in that thing, whatever that thing is. If it's finance, if it's entertainment, if it's ministry, if it's medicine, law, it doesn't matter. If all you have to go on is a word, and that is all you know, you don't know enough. You are dangerous. You are reckless. You are, nobody wants something that's untried. I, I don't want to, what, we had a version of one of these phones and several years ago, and what happened? They caught on fire. The battery, defective. Hard way to find out when it's in your pocket and you're suffering a third-degree burn because a product that you thought was tried and proven is defective. And we have a lot of defective leadership and defecting leadership in the body of Christ, untried, unproven, resenting people who put you through the paces. Dr. Price has been teaching for several everythings now that the word of the Lord, he said he tries his word seven times. He tries his word seven times. 
And so we want to get in on what? A word. Just a word. All I know is, well, this is what I know, is what God told me. That's what I know. What else do you know about it? So let's be responsible in our preparedness and in our uh, readying ourselves. June 16th through the 19th right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we are having our annual Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute in our new facility. The summit was actually in our new facility as well. And uh, by June, it will all be ours. Yay! We're moving Boston today. Yay! I bought my tennis shoes right now. Yay! Okay. It's that day. Everybody's like, so do I. All right. We're going to be like, amen. God bless you. Move this box. And so it's there. It's at, uh, at our new location, our room block. You can go to www.drpaulaaprice.com. Click on events. It's going to give you the information about the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute and how to reserve your hotel sleeping room at the Hyatt Place. I'm going to say Hyatt Regency. That's downtown. Although if you want to get a room there, it's not that far. But the Hyatt Place is where our room block is. There is a link right on the website. So you can click there and be taken to our special rate for our event. If you want to call, if you're like, I don't want to do this online, and if you want to call, the information is there, and tell them that the group is TPTI. We kept it very simple. TPTI. I'm in the group. TPTI. Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. TPTI. And you will get that rate. So you can reserve your rooms well, one of those two ways and get that going. I know there are some of you who are coming with groups from different places. This is going to be exciting. But you have to invest. So let me answer the questions now. No, we are not streaming this event. No, we're not streaming it. Maybe sometimes we pop up live for some worship. If Dr. Price is going in on a prophetic word, we might go live for that. That's all you got because that's all we're giving online. Everything else you need to pay to be here for the event. And so we are going to be rolling out from now until then elements of previous Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. So you can actually purchase some of those sessions or you can watch the promo and see why you need to make the trip by bus, by plane, by train, by car, by motorbike, I don't know. Depends on where you live. You can zip on over on your moped. (laughs) Okay. All right. Your motorcycle. But get here. Get to this event. You don't want to miss it. I mean, come on. Let's think about where we were last year and where we are now. I think people have more questions now than they did then. And it was a lot of things to question this time last year. (laughs) And so uh, you want to get into the... The, the stream of where God is speaking currently. With social media, and I've said this before, it is easy to think that God is talking a lot because a lot of people are talking. People are going live, I mean, come on, at the rate of we don't even know what. So a lot of people are talking. But the word of the Lord is rare in these days. I believe we are there, that the genuine word of the Lord, not people saying their prophets talking, And I think sometimes we think that because the word of the Lord was rare in those days that actually nobody was saying anything, which is why they talk about people just prophesying what they want to happen, prophesying things God never said. And so the word of the Lord to me is rare right now as far as honing in on who is hearing from the throne of God and not just prophesying. I mean, I'm looking at some of this stuff online. Come on. 
marriages, cars, blessings. That's encouragement. Be encouraged. Your change is coming. That come on, hold fast. Changes. What does that even mean? The, the weather here in Tulsa yesterday. The weather dropped thirty degrees in twenty four hours. Change has come. Is that what you were prophesying? We have these general prophetics, entry level prophesying that isn't to me even prophecy. You saying something that will inevitably happen to somebody tomorrow, no matter where they live, it's not really prophetic. It's kind of like obvious. Tomorrow you're going to wake up. I mean, not everybody is, but most people do. 2021 is going to be a year of change for you. All right. What is what? What does that? 2020 was a year of change. 2021 has already been a year of change. What are you saying from God? I mean, come on. And people do that safe prophesying, those safe prophetics that don't offend anybody, that can't come back. And now, especially in light of the whole Trump thing, people are, like, scared, a lot of them, to say anything because, I mean, I don't, I don't want to look like I'm right. And, and so you want to come here and hear the hardcore truth, the real dug deep in the spirit realm of God, wisdom, counsel, because that true mantle isn't just fortune-telling and future-telling. Getting into the mind of God. Where is God concerning these matters? Where do we need to be? Where are we going? How do we get there? What's it going to cost us? Something we don't want to talk about. Cost. The cost of admission into God's great things. We just want it to be blanket. Again, blanket prophetics. You're not going to get that here. I think you figured that out. No blanket prophetics here. So be here at the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. I'm already seeing the registrations. Been seeing them roll in, and uh, sign up. You, your groups, take advantage of any sale or discount. Again, uh, drpaulaaprice.com. Click on events and look at that page. It's beautiful, actually. I love that event page. Go ahead, Sonia. It is fantastic. And sign up now. Next, new to God's Royal Network is Janice Pons. Yay! If you were with us last year, she was a guest on Dr. Price's show. She has written a book called The Scapegoat. (laughs) If you want to know the truth, or if you think you know the truth, and everybody else is wrong, read it. Just read it. And so she's coming to God's Royal Network starting Monday nights. This Monday is her first Monday, 7.30 p.m., and it is called uh, From Destruction to Dignity. Clinical perspectives, spiritual truths. Janice is an expert as a clinician for over 40 years in the field. Her story is amazing, and she's going to share it with us. She's also going to share how she got the title for her show. But right now we're going to take you to a 30-second promo of Janice Pond's new show and why you want to tune in. Yes. Look, she hasn't even had one broadcast go live yet, and somebody else already picked it up. (laughs) This is when you know it's your time, 
and when you're in the right place at the right time with the right person. We love Janice Pons, new to the Congregation of the Mighty Family, and now new to God's Royal Network. This woman knows what she is talking about and will set your soul free. I felt a little free just listening to the song. That's her That's her singing. <laughs> I'm like, free thinkers. Yes. I mean, it's wonderful. So we are super excited and having her join us and really compliment what Dr. Price is doing with God's Royal Network and our other broadcasts. We love to offer diversity in the body of Christ, but not to be divergent from the Lord and his ways, but to be diverse in the subjects that we can cover, still being scripturally organic and culturally unmodified at the Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands. And so join her, join us on those Monday nights. You want to stay on topic. Now, if you are like, where can I find all these shows? You can go to YouTube and just key in God's Royal Network. We have a channel on YouTube where all these broadcasts go. Uh, of course, the Jesus and Paula show, you're watching us there now. Hello, how are you? And then all of the other broadcasts go live or should be going live or will be uploaded too at some point, <laughs> uh, God's Royal Network. And so you can, if you want prayer, you can get a prayer broadcast. If you want apostleship, if you want the prophetic, now if you want the soul, we're, we're getting back into that mental health. If you want that, that's going to be there. And so you can have your variety staying in God, staying in Christ, and, and not feeling like you're hearing the same thing over and over and over again. God is shifting. He is, he's shifting the planet. He is shifting in time. He's shifting creation. And we have got to be ready for the shift, which we, we have, don't we sing about it? Shift, he is shifting, and we're going to play that song and cue up the band, and everybody has a slide move when it comes to shifting in church. And, everything. and then when God does the move, we don't want to move because we have an image up here of what we think that should be. But he's like, no, this is what I told you, or this is what I need it to be. And so you have to posture yourself and align yourself and connect yourself with people who are going in God's direction. But you have got to take the time to learn what that direction is, especially if it's uncomfortable to you. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't know about moving to Tulsa. I mean, that was us too. <laughs> Before we knew each other. It was like Oklahoma. Hmm? It's on the way to nowhere. Anybody's really going. Tulsa, you don't really say, I'm just going to hit up Tulsa for vacation this year unless you have family here or friends or something like that. And many times you'll say, but let's meet up in Dallas. <laughs> let's go to St. Louis. Let's go somewhere else. And so Tulsa really isn't on the way to anywhere. It's passed through. And God begins to speak to people about Tulsa, 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 Tulsa. Are there black people in Tulsa? We have uh, Elder Shea from Nebraska. These are the questions we start with. Um, are we there? Now, that changes nothing, <laughs> one way or another. But it's, do you guys have indoor plumbing in Tulsa? We've had it for a couple years now. Uh, are the roads paved? I mean, these are the things that people ask me when I moved here 21 years ago. Well, you know the Klan. You have to watch out for the Klan because they just ride down Main Street on horseback. You know, it's, it's, and so it's interesting the stereotypes that 
And so when God is speaking and he's causing you and calling you, I should say calling you, see, he will call you to shift before he causes you to shift. Initially, many times he would like for it to be your cooperative idea. I've just observed. That's what prophecy oftentimes can be used as. I'm giving you a heads up, not to get your permission, but to let you know what's coming. And I would love for you to work with me, as, as Dr. Price taught us years ago, so that it can happen through you and not just to you. And many of us, we put God in a position where it, the, the word of the Lord being fulfilled happens to us when he really wants it to happen through us. So we can facilitate the obedience. And so when he gives it to us, we have all the, <laughs> and, and it's, you know, the saints who, when they were 15 years old, made vows to God. Teenagers, adolescents, little children. God, if you just, I just want to do your will. I just want to, wherever you want me to be, except under a female leader, uh, wherever you want me to be, except in another state away from my family, uh, whatever you want me to do, except something that's going to cost me my corporate paycheck. And, and so we run down and have all these caveats and excuses for why we're really not trying to obey God. Not really. And so now we have, the problem is we have doctrine that lines up with our carnal desires. Well, God doesn't want anything for you more than you having a happy family. I'm like, if I hear one more leader talk about as long as their family's happy, they're going to serve the Lord. Excuse me? As long, well, as long as my wife, as long as my kids approve, then I'm going to do it. Really? Says no my mother didn't care if I approved what dishes we ate off of. So I'm trying to understand how your family has the right to call the shots on what God called you to do, what your career is, how many hours you work. Now, I'm not talking about you were never around kind of thing. And then that depends on what your career is. We have those uh, life-encompassing careers that just absorb you. Ministry, military, those are careers that they're like, well, they own you. And you need to be with people who understand that or just own a goldfish. And so we have all of these opt-outs. We'll say, I am here to serve the Lord only in these ways. And you don't realize that's how you feel until these other ways jump up. And the first thing you want to say is, that's not God. But that's not God because he would never tell me. I mean, I had never been under a female leader. Women have a hard time being under female leaders. Not just men. And I was raised in a denomination, so it was completely male-dominated. And Dr. Price was the first female I had ever sat under in a leadership capacity. And in the beginning, I thought it was phenomenal. I thought, this is very interesting, because being raised to think it shouldn't be or it couldn't be, I was like, can that be, is that possible? A woman can have her own ministry? Now, this is like 21 years ago, so now we've come a long way in seeing women lead, but not as far as we should and so I remember sitting there thinking when I first, first, first met her, one of the first couple Sundays, huh, she's preaching. Never heard a woman preach, raised in church, never. So for those of you who think, I don't know what, everybody thinks something crazy. Never heard a woman preach. And I, and I sat there like this, I'm pretty sure. Huh. And this is probably the smartest sermon I've ever heard. So smart, I'm trying to figure out what she's saying. I mean, I know it's the word of God because she's in the Bible, and this is true, but wow, women can be smart behind the, women can be behind the pulpit, and God actually is okay. Wow. 
huh. Now, I had never heard a message preached that women shouldn't preach. I actually had not heard that, but I just never saw it. The women were the wives, and they were the missionaries and the evangelists. Never the leader over a department, never except the daycare, because we let women over children because they have them. And so never over the money, even though it was typically the women counting the money, uh, never over anything big or important. So I just didn't see it. And I remember thinking once, can women do more than this? Fleeting thought as a kid. You know, God is always setting you up for your future, even when you don't know it. And so when I met Dr. Price, I was like, it can be done. A woman can preach. She can bring the word every Sunday. Wowzers. And so a lot of women we have discovered over the years had issues with women, even now. Women will tell us, women will tell me, you know, your place is with a man. You need to just be quiet and get married. You need to just have some kids. You need to just do whatever. And you married ain't doing nothing for God because you were going to get married to do something for God. But now that you're married, you don't have time to do something for God because you married a husband and said you can't do anything for God. Right. And your kids have been out of the house for 10 years. Yeah. Okay. And now you're sitting here talking about God, check up. I'm free now. Lord, I'm an empty nester. Send me and I'll go. Use me and I'll do. Wait a minute. God's like, but you are old. You realize you that most, young woman. you are not, and so you can't take the hip that would, you can't take the pushback, the stand up, get up, move forward. You can't take any of that, and you don't want to be alone, so you're still going to be looking for a husband, which means you're going to put me in this position again. Told you. It's that kind of day. You know, I am so, um, so stunned because I'm, you know, I was raised, the Lord brought me up outside the church, you know. Thank God. He didn't want me to get spoiled. He didn't want me to get spoiled before he got what he wanted. But he brought me up outside the church. And and I say that when I say that, you know, I started my church. I did what he told me to do. I answered the call. I walked off my job. And one of the things that God said to me, and and in the event that some of my beloved sisters are telling God, you don't understand, I said to the Lord, I said, God, I said, now, I I, I retired from a major corporation making a lot of money that my husband did not mind spending. (laughs) Right. Because he was never that kind of guy anyway. No. But he didn't mind spending. So we get saved and we find out that his perception of being a husband is wrong. Mm. My idea of being a wife is wrong and that I must now come under him. Now, I've handled corporations and millions and millions of dollars back in the time would be probably, you know, a whole different thing of dollars of business for this company, but I can't talk for Jesus for free. For free. For free. Okay, so I go to God because I want, I want to be right. I mean, I think this is Jesus. You know, the church is going to make you think it's Jesus. The church is not Jesus. It's his body, but Jesus got his own mind. So I go to God, and he said, I want you to leave the job. I want you to start a church, start a school. I I lived my whole life on, if it's there, I'm doing it. Once I met Jesus, I found out, oh, I could do this for Jesus? Oh, yeah, I'm in. I'm all in. I count me in, God. I'm in. So I go, and I get ready to do it, and then we go to church, and we hear a sermon about the wife's place. Ah. 
First of all, I'm telling you them the finest sermons you ever want to see. Because let me tell you something. You look at them wives in the Bible, they don't match those sermons. sermons. You need to look in the Bible because stop listening to your pulpit. So anyway, so I go. Yes, I did. And you know, I used to go to meetings just just to be enlightened. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> So I go, and I say, when Tommy and I, we sit down, I say, well, God, I can't quit my job because if I do, I mean, it makes me out of order. And God said, I, I, and I've told this story before, so I, I, my, we have a good time. We go upstairs. We're, we're in God. We're in righteousness. We're thrilled. Go upstairs. I get upstairs on my bed, and I begin to die. Now, I'm telling you, I begin to die. And I don't know. I, well, I come near death maybe twice. But, so I know I'm dying. I definitely remember coming near death a couple of times in my life. And, um, but I, so I know, because so, sometimes people say, well, how you know, baby? Let me tell you something. If you've never had it, you still don't need anybody to tell you. You understand that things are signing off. Mm. Stuff is signing off. And so I'm laying down on my bed. I can, I can no longer breathe. My, I can feel like something is pulling out of me. And I said, I'm dying, and I don't know why. I'm thinking, and my, my, I can't talk. And the Holy Ghost breaks through. The Lord Jesus, in fact, you know, you're real high in God when you can separate the, the, the manifestations of the Godhead. So this was Jesus. So Jesus said, but there is never any reason for you to disobey your Lord. Jesus. And let me know, you can call your husband Lord, but he's not your Lord. Because I'm the Lord you got to go to when he fails you, when he leaves you, when he dies, when he has an accident, when he's sick, then you're going to try to talk to me about being your Lord. So I'm saying to God, so I'm sitting there, and the life is leaving me, and I'm saying, God, I'm so sorry. I, I just didn't know. Because, see, you know, I'm Moses. Now, there are those of you, because, you know, y'all word of faith, happy time, evangelical folk. Y'all got so much humanism in you. You think you are, you think you're talking for Jesus. But let me just tell you this. Moses was on the way to get, because you think you're Moses is on, because, see, when you're, when you're, some of y'all call, you're right. God didn't call you. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the woman God called, and she knows he called her. Come on, come on, come on, come on. She knows, because my sheep know my voice, and another voice they will not follow. So I'm not talking to the other woman. See, and so I go, and I go downstairs to my husband, and meanwhile, I guess God was doing something with him, because I go downstairs and I said, you're going to get me killed. So I'm not going to listen to that. So we're going to have a couple of rules. The rules of our marriage changed that day. Wow. I wish I could tell you that I was finished, but I wasn't because, you know, church doesn't stop. And you get there and you and, and, and see, but fresh out of, of corporate America, I didn't care about what a bishop said. Were you kidding me? I didn't care about what. I didn't care. I'm like, do you realize how much money they paid me to be me? I'm like, no. That, you know, the Lord has since humbled that. Yeah. He said, you see, I devoured my hitch. But at that time, baby, but I want you to know, holding, the whole Godhead had to kick my behind to humble me. So I'm going to tell you right now, he knew he made strong stuff. But let's talk about Moses. So Moses is going. And Moses has a marital conflict. The wife says, you are not circumcising my kids, my sons. And you know, everybody reads that and they say, yeah, but she, no, no. You're not giving my sons to your God. That's it. 
your God cannot have my sons. And if you want this marriage, you better give up your God. How many of you all said that? Okay? So you go, your, your God cannot have my kids. Now I want you to understand that Christians are the only ones that say we understand. Because all the rest of them religions are like, you got to be kidding me. They don't get it. We are, I will take you to the mat for my Jesus because my seed belongs to the most high. So Moses is on it. And so it says that, you know, one modern, uh, modernized translation really puts it in perspective. It says that he, he was in the inn where they were staying because they had to rent a place to stay. And God began to kill him. It didn't say he began to die. Come on. It said God began to kill him. Oh. And I thought, Jesus. Now that spoke to me having been on, having the bedroom moment, yeah. you know, and I'm dying. You're on death row. And so, it, because he wouldn't circumcise his kids, because the voice of his wife meant more to him than the God that he claimed he was going on a mission for. And that he claimed he was commissioned by. So God is like, you're not going to go. Here's the Holy Ghost. You know what? Y'all better know. I'm, I, I'm shed a babapa. I don't need to, Let me tell you. Y'all better know this is a real thing because I want you to get this. But God is like, you're getting ready. The, the nerve of you, you're getting ready to go to a nation and say, let my people go. Oh, come on. And my people are marked by circumcision, and you won't circumcise your kids so that if anything separates you from those kids in that land, they won't know that they belong to me because they don't bear the mark of their identity in, in their body. How dare you? And then you're going to stand there and say, let my people go, and you haven't gone? No. Let me tell you something. This hypocrisy. That's a hypocritical spirit. He said, so I'm going to bring my people out and your wife calling the shots. And I didn't call her. So your wife says that your children can't become my, my seed. Your wife says it, so you can't do it. Yeah, I'm going to kill you. You better know I'm going to kill you. Some of y'all are going home this year. This year. Before December happens, you're going home this year. I just want you to know that. So God, because, you know, you hear the, a loving father wouldn't do that. Let me tell you, if your father was a judge, he'd have to. If your father was a sovereign of the land, he'd have to. So if your daddy is just an armchair daddy, yeah, well, maybe not. But then he doesn't have power to do it anyway. Oh, sorry. So God tells me, so I don't know this until later. You know, see, y'all making judgments on armchair daddies. Hell, I'm on armchair poppers. Not the ones that's got to make the tough calls every day. So he, so she, he turns around. He doesn't circumcise the kids. So either he's too near death to do it. He's making her do it. And do you know what? It didn't matter. She still took the boys and went home. She sure did. Because she's like, I didn't sign up for this. Sister girl, I want you to understand, God remembers that you didn't sign up for that. Now, if you had to have a disease, you could say you ain't signed up for it all day long. And that's what you're going to do, walk it out. And so she, he, so he, she has to do so because she's watching her husband die. 
And I'm sure it was not a pretty picture. Uh-huh. And she can't do it. We don't know how long the ordeal left because, you know, God be stretching stuff out. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, with you almighty, you can just stretch it out, you know, because, I mean, a minute is a minute. No matter what, your minutes, his minutes are like nothing. But for us, they could be 25 years, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like in this hour, Jesus, it has been 15 years. Mm-hmm. We are long past an hour. <laughs> we are far gone past an hour. You know, like, so God says to me, so we go into that, and then I'm, I'm, so I go and I, I hand in my resignation. Now, i got to tell you, it was hard because, you know, your identity is wrapped up in that, and you got all of this influence, and you have all of this access and power and all of that. Had to turn over my contacts and all. Oh, my gosh, it was terrible. I remember crying, acting like I was walking the green mile, man. When I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. God Almighty, I'm like, man, am I walking the green mile? What am I doing? So I said, God, okay, so I, I, I left. So I left, and I, and for about six weeks, I tried to make it, because you, 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 some of you all, you are blessed if God didn't have you start at Nahila, like with nothing. I started with zero. My family didn't agree. My, I would sit there and try to hold my little church services. I had one woman and two kids that showed up and then probably two people for like ever. And I was like, nobody was coming. How were they going to come? They didn't know. Nothing. And I had to start and learn this by scratch. And, my, and after I preached, my family would get up and say, Ooh, that was nice, babe, but we're going to church. Listen to that every week. Wow. Now, granted, thank God for a loving husband. Eventually, God spoke to him. And so we, we ended with that. But the bottom line, God said, I don't care if you preach the chairs, you're going to preach. Amen. I really wish she hadn't said that, though. Wow. I'm, I'm, see, <laughs> look, our resident, our resident assistant prophet, she said, it's the truth. He was like, you will preach the chairs because I did not call you to people. I called you to be. Amen. I said, Okay. After a while, before long, I had like 35, 40 folks, and I was just ready to go, I'm telling you. But then the money wasn't coming in, so then we, we, our marriage intervened again, or should say intruded again. And so we got, but well, babe, you need to go get some money. We're not making it, the house, the bills, blah, 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 because I was bringing home quite a large paycheck. And so, I mean, we're not making it, whatever. I said, okay, so this is like 4 o'clock in the morning. Four o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, okay, when I wake up tomorrow, I'll put on my, you know, I'll get back in my garb, and I'm going to go out, and I'm going to go look for a job. How many of you know that God's technology misses nothing? Did it, huh? Next thing you know, I am howling, and somebody is ripping my guts out, and I'm thinking, what is happening? And I'm howling, and I, all I can do is pray in the spirit. And in the spirit, I get interpretation of tongues. I'm getting the whole lot, but I got it that night. And I heard him yell at my husband. He said, you better pray. We had it again, but I couldn't stop. And so he began to pray to lay hands on me because I am, I'm like dying. And he said to me, Either you'll say, I want you to hear this, because sometimes you think you know. Especially you brothers who are always judging. You think you know what the closet was like for us and God. You think you understand, because your doctrine is giving you advice that is wrong. I'm sitting there, and this was the last word I got. I didn't bother God about that ever again. He said, you'll either do this or your children will be orphans. 
It took me 10 years to realize that it was for them. Okay? But all I know, he said, I don't need you on the planet. I don't. And he opened my book of life, and it had all of this stuff that I was supposed to do. He flipped the page. He said, you see, it's blank, because that's all I got for you to do. That's my testimony. I'm looking at, I said, but there's nothing on that page. Because there's nothing else. You either do this or you come home, because I got nothing else for you to do in this planet. I don't believe I'm the only one with that testimony. I believe that there are a lot of powerful people out there who have met Jesus, the King, the Sovereign, and not petting Pastor Jesus. Deacon Jesus. Okay? I want you to understand. Minister Jesus. See, I'm not. Mm-mm. And I'm telling you, and I'm that night I remember that my gut hurt, and I mean it hurt for a long time. And I'm telling you, you think you know why people are doing what they do. You don't know what goes on between a soul and its maker. God keeps that privy. The only way you get a sign is that you understand what it is. Like these people who walked away and life is good, God bless them. That means they weren't really called. Because I wouldn't get, I didn't get a chance to step over the threshold. I just had one foot in the air. I was just getting ready. To... <laughs> and baby, everything began to atrophy. <laughs> and God said to me, and let me know we won't have this discussion again. Because you know what? The next, otherwise, if we have it again, it's going to be with you and me face to face. That's not pretty. I had three young kids. That was very effective. (laughs) Very effective. Now, thank God my call was such that I could hear him and he could say it to me bluntly. A lot of you all want to hear from God, but y'all can't take his bluntness. You can't take his candor. You can't live with his frankness. He got to keep coming through your swamp of your doctrine. You got them all swapped up in your doctrine. But I mean, that can't be God. I, I never did. From that moment, God just never, he always just so open to me and this never stopped. So I will tell you, you can say all you want. And I had to listen to these little idiotic men who, who just fell into their ministry. They never sweated for the peak a day in their life. Okay. And, but I had listened to them and I looked at them and I said, oh, but if you knew. And the Lord just said, it becomes the king to overlook a matter. And he kept saying, overlook, overlook. So I did. And I paid him no attention. And I want you to know that God put me through severe trials. There were, you know, you can say whatever. Now, granted, he kept the limbs working. And when they didn't work, he just, you know, clear. They start working again, charged them up, kept the limbs working, kept my brain working, and I kept doing what he gave me to do. But one of the things that I understood is that I don't care who doesn't know his power. Those of us who are in here when it costs us everything, you talk about parents not talking to you. I think I don't know. My parents cut me off. O-F-F, stop talking. My mother praying for a whole other church is not, and is ignoring me. My father is like, I don't know what it is. I don't believe in women ministers. He is done with me. I got siblings. Are you kidding me? She, I told you, she, she tell you, it took a long time to find out I had siblings. Half of y'all don't know I'm the eldest of six kids. But you know what? I still have to do this. God cussed out, you name it, all of that. And you know why? Because to whom much is given, much is required. And if you can't beat your opposition, you have no right to unseat it. You've got to be better than your opposition. And that's what my job. I did not see today. 
and I'm, you're talking about all of the buildings and all of the opposition and all of the people. We're not going to send you a dime. We're not giving you nothing, blah, blah, blah. And you know, so you think you know what it is? I'm going to tell you why we as women, we are superstars. We are God's superstars, and we finally come into our day. And you know why? Because we stood, having done all the standing, we withstood. We withstood some of the most heinous, cruelest things. I think the only group that withstood more are the prophets. Because, you know, prophets got to put up with everything. So guess what I was? You know, God just fooled. A baby, a woman prophet. So you understand, I got a double, double win. And then I was black. I fit all of the targets right there. The nerve of you. And so when they start talking about, uh, you know, talking talking about how we should feel and, you know, they start talking about I'm hard, I'm like, are you kidding? You want me to be soft? What are you saying when you say I'm hard? What are you talking about? Because sometimes we just need to, you know, sometimes we just need to cover it. That means I don't want you to hurt my feelings, Dr. Price. That's what that means. Yeah, well, you know, your feelings are your healing point, not mine. I'm not dealing with that. <laughs> you know, now I will deal with whatever God gives me to help you get hold if that's what you want. But I am not going to divest myself, digress, or demote myself for the sake of your feelings. Can, can I read this comment? Yeah. This gentleman, Sean. Hi, Sean. I'm going to read your comment. Hi, Sean. He said, first time in Dr. Price's presence, the Holy Ghost said she is a, has rhino power. And like a rhinoceros, she never moves backwards. No, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going backwards, ever. I said to you, but y'all saw me with the whole election thing. I said, I don't care what a devil said. If you're a real prophet, you should have known that the devil was out breaking out doing you as a prophet. You gave your power to darkness. And I said, we tried to tell you that in advance, but what did you do? You said, but at least I was right. Well, look at what you were right about. I wouldn't want that on my prophetic resume. Okay, she said, I got a... I wouldn't want that on my prophetic resume. I've prophesied a man that's going to tear up the land. I prophesied a man is going to destroy the land. I'm excited. I'm true. Look what I did to you. Wow. And I'm telling you, y'all can write all of your stupid stuff you want. In the end, this man has shown you you were played. And so who played you? That's your question. Who played you? Because you should have been standing for Jesus Christ, talking about this boy is going to tear us up. This might be the last time. We better we better yoke up as prophets, and we better yoke up as apostles, and we better yoke up as ministers. We better yoke up as black people. We better yoke up and come together because this man's record says he's going to destroy us. This man talked to us and called, talked, called us the hot sauce and peanuts and all that stupid stuff. And we bought it. Do you realize that, a, that you as a prophet have no power over a bewitching spirit? You realize that as a prophet, you can't discern the spirit of the Lord from the divinatory spirit of bewitchment. Now I'm telling you, God's going to turn this thing around. It will be overturned by the spirit of the living God. And it will be overturned not only because it's unjust and unrighteous. We were praying last night. This man made 89 cases and not one court in his country can back him. Not one court in the land. Can you imagine being a citizen that the entire justice system can't stand for, can't stand with? I 
command every judge to be fired by the Holy Ghost. Yes, I do. Can you imagine? Happy you all. You you want your damn court and all you did was lift a little piece of candy and take a wheel off the tire. <laughs> it's not about the right now. This not about we have a land that the righteous cannot get justice. Where we can't get a just judge in the land. God talked about the unjust judges. He kept telling us, y'all better fix this and win this before you get to court. Because when you get there, it can be a little dice. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. But God's going to turn. I don't know how. I, I can't. Well, I do start sort enough. But I'm going to tell you this. He's going to turn this around, not for him per se, but for his people. See, all of those prophecies were against God's people because you did not see this cascading effect, the rippling effect of that particular prophecy, y'all sitting around there all young and naive, acting like you know something. Yeah, because I mean, my word was right. And you got to look at them happy. Y'all probably don't even look at the news. So you can't see the effect of what you did. This whole facade. This facade. But I've been, I, I'm telling you, God said I'm not done with America. So I thought about it. And the Holy Ghost I had an article where they talked about so many, um, so many seats, um, that are open, and I realized that they did a job shifting consciousness from God to darkness. But God is repopulating his forces. Because he was like, y'all give me something to fight with. He said, and I'll win it. I'll take it back. We have to give him something to fight with. Our church has been working on that in Jesus. So I'm telling you this much. I know for a fact that God, it was not that I couldn't win or that he didn't win. And what he said, but there was nobody. I searched for a man to stand in the gap. There was nobody. There wasn't enough of us. There wasn't enough of us believing in truth. Not enough of us believing in Jesus Christ. Not enough of us want to call it. We all sitting there scared, like you said. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, but, you know, they, they told me they're going to take my kids. And I'm like, but you know what? You don't have your kids. And you got a long life to live with that. And hope that that's a decision that will protect your children. You better hope that. Well, they said they're going to do this and they're going to do that. I'm going to tell you something. Every night I pray down, uh, I, I pull the spirit of death off of this thing. Yes. I command every assassinating devil. Every spirit that is stalking, every bullying, threatening spirit, I yank them out of these people and remand them to the abyss. And you know why? Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I am filled with the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I sit in heavenly places. I am an offspring of the Godhead. I outrank every devil. And the only difference between them and us is that we know it and they got to find it out. It's our job to preach it. How are you going to be bold if nobody preaches boldness? How are you going to be fearless if nobody preaches fairness? How are you going to preach certainty if nobody's preaching certainty? So I want to tell you this. I'm, I live with this. I grew up in the streets of North. I understand how crazy it can be. I understand about you not knowing if you want to go to the store, you just want to be hungry all night long. And you know what? We walk the streets. We, honey, because that's the only street we had to walk. You understand that? We didn't have another street to walk. That was it. You know, I've done with all, I've been through all of that. I mean, that's why you need to be tried. And that's why you need to stop 
fussing about your trials and start looking at how they're strengthening you and they're, they're building you up and giving you courage and boldness to making you gritty and gutsy. Yes, God. Let me tell you something. I'm like those apostles. Every day those apostles were threatened and their families were threatened. You know what they did? They said, but you know greater is he that's in me. And they did their job until it was time for them to go home. Home. And Peter was just such, he was, he was such a cowboy. Jesus had to tell him, yeah, you hot now, Peter, but you're going to get old. And when you get old, you're going to be blind. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going to take you where you don't want to go. There's a whole lot to be said in that. But see, if you read your Bible instead of reading your pastor's pamphlet. You can God has always, always been backed into a corner. He loves it. He loves being backed into a corner. Because then he shows that his Godhood and his Godness and his power to defeat his enemies. He loves it. You're in the corner because that's where they put Jesus. Because we're in him. He's in us and we're in him. And so you have to get to a point that you understand instead of whining and crying and, and all of the, watching all of this devil news acting like the Holy Ghost is not talking. Come on, come on. Listening to all of these folks who don't, I'm telling you, I'm convinced that nobody, these people, most of these people had no idea. Because not because they didn't understand, because the information was there, but they, it's that spirit of belief. You get prophecy and you want a different outcome. And so you prophesy the outcome you want, regardless of the message God sent. We wanted a different outcome. I think about the, the whole, I, I, I can't even imagine it. I'm just saying this. Really, there is a, 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 some compassion in it. I can't imagine what a lot of those well-meaning, well-thinking Democrats feel today. Say, oh, my God, what have I done to my nation? What have I done to my country? Oh, my God, I've, I've destroyed the country for my kids, for my children's children, for the generation. Can you imagine? I, I cannot imagine that they're all having a party talking about this is the best thing going. I'm going to tell you right now, because they realize, because they sit in seats we don't sit in, and they know what we don't know. Whatever we're getting is just literally the remnants of what's to be gotten, and these people have to spend their day and night looking at what they did to their nation as well meaning as they were. They only wanted democracy. They only wanted humanity to not be robbed and not be cheated and not be oppressed and, 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 and to have a say in their government. That was their, most of them, that was their fundamental thought, you know? So while we're walking around bashing them and carrying on, the bottom line is most of them, that was their fundamental thought. But who can, and name a person that can't be deceived. And, they, and what deceived them was not this agenda. It wasn't Agenda 21. It wasn't the COVID reset or anything. What deceived them was their passion and their ideology became their God. Ah. And it became more important for them to carry out their ideology and to live and to keep the fan the flames of their beliefs than it was to step back and, and, and step back into reality and say, you know what? This this thing is falling. This this thing is falling. Oh Lord. I can't imagine. I can't imagine all of those GOP senators. You're going to get old sitting on the porch, and you're going to remember. Some of y'all already old, but you're going to be rocking on the porch talking about, I cannot believe I did this to my, na- my nation. And the reason you did it is gone. All of that is gone, and all you have to live with, you, you gave your life 
to upholding this country. You gave your soul to upholding this country. You gave up dreams. You gave up birthdays and holidays and graduations to do it only for you to get to the point when God and the nation needed you most to fold. And you folded eyes wide open knowing that you, that you literally sold us down the river. That is your legacy. Your legacy could see history does not care about your misery. History records your legacy. You will never be forgotten for what you did. Never. And, and you know how much, that, that's Bible. That is Bible. Is that not Bible? Ezekiel 33. See, it's written. See, the reason that I can make these stands is because I have the information to make and render quality judgments. Because I have the God side and I have historical. The Bible is just as historical as any other history book you got. And I'm telling you, in Ezekiel 33, it's a powerful, powerful chapter. And anybody who is a prophet, anybody who is an apostle, anybody who has spoken for God and then decided... Yeah, I want to get this because the next one I want to come up. So the, and, and decided, you know, I believe, uh, I, I, I thought God was right, but, uh, you know, I got to save myself. See, because you had that God first, family second, kind of crazy that you, 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 you had that out, out. You already had an out, you know. And you hear that, God, well, you know, God wouldn't do that to your family. Read your Bible. He told Abraham to put his kid on the altar. And he said, and you're going to be the one to kill him. All right? We, all of this here, these are humanist doctrines. These are the commandments of men attempting to sound like the mind of God. Ezekiel, I want everybody to read this. If you are a prophet, if you're an apostle, if you're a pastor, five-folder or three-folder, if you are a serious saint, intercessor, intervener, whoever you are in Christ, I want you to learn this because this is one thing that God told me, which is tragic. And he said, again, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them, when I bring a sword upon a land, if the people of that land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he sees the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever hears the sound of the trumpet and takes not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. We, Ten years ago, we was like, yeah, well, that's like doom and gloom. Look at that today. Those prophets who prophesied this presidency, they, they should have done it as a warning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They should have done it as a warning because they were given access to a warning, not a triumph. They, if they, got, they should have said, oh, I have to warn you. This is going to be pretty bad. You know, like Elisha had to warn Israel what, what the king of Syria is going to do, the new replacement. It was meant to be a warning, not a triumph, not a divination contest, okay? Here, here, he heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. That other, and he that take heed or he that warned delivereth your soul. Your failure to warn ensnared your soul. And I don't care how many television programs they give you. I don't care how many people, how many folks you say run through your website. You still got a God, a God that you betrayed. Yeah. Sit. 
But if the watchmen see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, doesn't warn anybody, and the people not be warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So you understand that, because see, this thing is not about, a, this is, prophecy is not your PSA. It's not just a public service announcement, you know, of running across the bottom. It's not a web crawl or a ticker crawl across the screen. Prophecy is a potent trigger. And so let's look at the rest of this, because you're going to love this chapter. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, now this is important. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. All of these lies, all of these, these assaults coming from these immigrants flooding, all of those jobs that are, that are, are lost, all of that income that's destroyed, that is a, that's blood flow. That's the life flow of the land. So you can still celebrate about you being right, but you know right and righteousness are not always the same thing. Because you should have been you should have been back in the God back in the man God chose because you should have saw who was going to devastate the land. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die. In his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. It's interesting that he said, he didn't say life, he said soul. This is a big thing. This here, this was huge. And many of you had a great test to see if God could rely on you in his future. Therefore, O son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. Thus ye speak, saying, if if our transgressions and our sins be upon us and we pine away in them, how should we then live? Say unto them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for thy will, uh, for why will you die, O house of Israel? Therefore, son of man, say unto the children of thy people, the righteousness, listen to this, the righteousness of the righteous will not deliver them in the day of his transgression. And, see, that's a powerful statement. So all of that, listen to me. This is important. I want you to hear this because this is really, this is, this is God's mind on the matter. And the wickedness of the wicked shall not fall thereby in the day that he turns from his wickedness. Neither shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousness in the day that he sins. When I, when I shall say, and I'm going to switch this off so I can give you all some honest, I want you all to have that gut translation. Yeah, you all need the gut translation. We didn't get caught up in, in Sister Elizabeth. That's not going to help. <laughs> Sister Elizabeth, that's not going to help. Okay. See, that's not going to help you, so we're not going to do that. I want us to go to uh, another translation. And remember, this is Ezekiel 33, if you don't know. And so I want to say this because it's important. And you all bear with me, but since I'm, I'm broadcasting, you have to hear it again in, in language that makes sense. That, that you can speak to the people. Um, and I have, you know, a whole lot of translations here, but the one that I, there are some that just get it done. So 
So this one here is the um, international standard version. It said, this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, speak to your nation's children and tell them, if I bring war to a land and the people of that land appoint one of their conscripted men to serve as a sentinel, or, well, see, we're still there. Let's go some places. You'll walk and hang with me. There, there we go. And it says, um, and say to them, when I bring the sword on a land, take one man from the people of the land, their borders, and set them for a watchman to them. And when he sees the sword coming on the land, and he blows the ram's horn and warns the people, and the hearer, hearing the sound of the ram's horn, and does not take warning, and the sword comes and take him, his blood shall be on his own head. He heard the sound of the ram's horn and took no warning. You know how those people were, flood is coming, flood is coming, let me broke, it's all broke, I'm not, I'm not leaving. And, and so, and then you want—they want to sit there and blame the officials. We told you that the levee broke, see. And unless you are a, a, a whale, a shark, or a fish, unless you got some fins, you probably need to get out of here. Okay, but if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the ram's horn, and the people are not warned, the sword comes and takes a soul from them. He is taken in his iniquity, but I will require his blood from the watchman's hand. And you, son of man, I gave, I gave you as a watchman to the house of Israel, and you shall hear the word from my mouth and warn them from me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked one, dying you shall die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked one shall die in his iniquity, but I will require his blood from your hand. But if you warn the wicked from his way to turn from it, and he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. 3310, and you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, this you have spoken, saying, surely our transgressions and our transgressions and our sins are on us, and we are rotting in them. Even then, shall we live? In other words, God, it's a mess. We are in trouble. We're rotting from the inside out. All of the things that we thought were to bring us life are now bringing us disease and devastation and destruction. So say to them, as I live, declares the Lord Jehovah, I do not have the light in the death of the wicked except in the wicked turning from his way and, uh, and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? And you, son of man, say to the sons of your people, the righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his trespasses. So you can do a whole lot of right things. And all of that's gone. Isn't that what we feel about the senators right now? Isn't that what we feel about the, 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 um, those GOP senators? We don't remember anything good they did because all we know is they sold us out, and that's what goes in the final record on their lives. It doesn't make a difference, but that's what goes in the final record. When, you, when the, your kids go to school or your grandchildren and your great-grand go to ch- school and they read about 2020 and 2021 and they read about all of this, your these men... And these people's names will be in the textbook as those who sold it out. All of the good things they did was not remembered. Because it can't be. Because of the devastation and the destruction that they've caused. So it says, 
um, in the day of his church, and the evil of the evil in the day he turns from his wickedness, he shall not fall by it, and the righteous shall not be able to live by it in the day he says. So if we look at our political party, we look at all of these, let's just, again, case in point, just a theory, case in point, hypothetically, all these Democrats, they start repenting. God is going to liken that repentance as if they have always done right by him. Because in the end, in the final analysis, they turn from their opposition or their wickedness and turn to righteousness. That's how God thinks. Though I say to the righteous living, he shall live, yet he trusts in his own righteousness and commits iniquity. Isn't that what we're talking about right now? I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm in Christ. I'm under the blood. I'm under grace. See, that's the answer to the grace, the hyper-grace doctrine. He said, when you start trusting in your own righteousness and commit iniquity, all his righteousness shall not be remembered, but he shall die for his iniquity which he has done. Isn't that powerful? And though I say to the wicked, dying you shall die, if he turns from his sin and does justice and righteousness, if the wicked returns the pledge, repays the thing stolen, and he walks in the statutes of life, not doing iniquity, living he shall live. He shall not die. So all the while they were understanding, doing what they wanted to do, they had this death sentence from the Almighty on them. But they decide, hey, you know, no, no, we don't want to do that. And because they turn, it missed the death sentence. And they, they actually become vessels of mercy. Because wow. you can't make God merciful for you if he doesn't want that mercy. Wow. Okay? All his sins which he has sinned shall not be remembered to him. He has done justice and righteousness. Living, he shall live. Yet the sons of your people say, you all will love this. The way of the Lord is not fair, but they, their way is not fair. When the righteous turns from his righteousness and does iniquity, he shall even die by that. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. Because sin does not originate from the God of life. It originates from the spirit of death. So all of those acts are to expedite your death. But if you decide to separate from that spirit and get into the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the protections of that life come with it. You come under the protections of the Almighty. Now it's a matter of mercy and it's a matter of forgiveness, etc. That's what the whole new birth thing is. He said, but if the wicked turns from his wickedness and does justice and righteousness, he shall live by them. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not fair. I shall judge you, each man, by his weight, O house of Israel. Now, you're going to hear word of faith and, 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 you know, all of the classic doctrines tell you that's not true. But Romans said the same thing. Yeah. The just shall live by faith. And it's in, in Hebrew, any man draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. So when you, listen, when you look at the way we think God is and then you see the way God is, you can do everything right, and the month before you die, commit heinous crime. If you, if, and think about it, because we, we tell people it doesn't matter. Yes, if you sincerely repent from your heart, the Lord will forgive you, but it's his prerogative. It is not his compulsion. He is not compelled to overlook it. Does that help you? So we start thinking about it. So here we are today, all of these prophets, and they're, you know, they're pouting and strutting and carrying on because in their mind, they're living in the moment of that word. 
not in the character of the Almighty. Not in the consciousness of the Almighty. Because, you, I mean, that's like saying, you know, somebody call you on the phone that you haven't heard from for a long time. You have a five-minute conversation and, and, and about too much or nothing or a conversation where you are instructed to do something and you're done. You do the thing. You don't carry that around forever. You just move on to the next thing. So I have been talking, you know, I've been talking and trying to help us do it because I, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna change when you really work for God, like I do. Like I really work for God. I don't work for God's gifts. I don't work for God's law. I don't work for God's governance. I don't work for His goodies or His baddies. I work for Him, the Man, Christ Jesus. As an apostle, I am an agent of the Godhead. I am a thronal agent of the Godhead, and it's my job, it's my duty to always exalt the throne of Christ and the kingship and the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. And if you have that attitude, there is something about being in that place with God. He really dings you when you try to go another way. Have you noticed? You try, or you try to go, even try to go back. If you try to go back, he he kind of dings you like, you know, like, what are you doing? You know, you you ever had try to pick up the phone and call somebody back home and God cut up? Put that phone down. But God, they were out there. Oh, either you get a call from them and you see the number. Oh, I haven't heard you so much. So, woo! And you get ready to do this and you go. Okay. Why? Because the Lord knows the traps of the enemy. And no matter how much you think you're liberated, you're so liberated that, that, that you're so liberated from Christ, you believe Satan can't touch you. But that's like the sheep that wanders off. And everybody mad with the shepherd because the sheep fed the wolves. You should stay with the pack. <laughs> okay, but lamb chops. You're not talking about them lollipop chops. So when you look at this, I want to go to the next page because I'm going to show you how we got stuck, if you want to know. Y'all want to know how we got stuck? All right, Facebook, YouTube. Okay. Okay. The first problem is we have, we have sought King Jesus for Pastor Jesus. I've been saying this, and I keep saying it. Most of you all, that's why we have pastors who can't help their people in politics. We were in a meeting the other night. How many people said they would leave it? They had to leave their church because the world is going to hell in a handbasket, and they're still preaching what they call the good news. They said not addressing it. They don't even know, and they're still sitting there saying the same thing. We're going to do the Beatitudes. We're going to do the Ten Commandments. We're going to do the Love Doctrine. We're going to do all of that, and you are going to work every day hearing everybody telling you how your country is trying to self-destruct. Pastor Jesus, we have an uphill climb because these pastors have been theologically trained. They're not just convinced by their own opinions that, Christians have no place in government and politics. That is a training. I'm killing that, and I'm going to keep talking about it because somebody got to talk about it. Okay? So that's number one. And then we have the ecclesia versus versus your congregation. All right? That's, um, I want to say that's two. Okay, the ecclesia versus your congregation. So you think church is your building and and where you, that, that keeps your favorite. Few. 
That's not church. Before the church had buildings, they were, the church was people. The church was always constitutional before it became construction, brick and mortar. So it was always blood and water and spirit. That's what Jesus defined it, not brick and mortar. Now, brick and mortar has taken over, and so you think that you're a Christian because you sit in the pew. Is that all right to say? It better be. I said it. No, can't unring a bell. So you, so your, so your pastor over this congregation is usurping the authority, but also putting at risk the inheritance and the sovereignty of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's no scriptural praise premise for it. Not everybody belongs in politics or government, but you should have at your church, in your church, at some point, you should have a line of separation so that the people who are called to guard the king and the kingdom don't feel like they have failed him or that they are somehow no longer Christians, like you putting your Christianity on the, on the block if you want to go and take care of the king and the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Before there was a church, there was the king and the kingdom. The king and the kingdom outlast the church. I need you all to remember this because, see, you got a whole lot of reasons. That Pastor Jesus thing is why you didn't like Trump because you were looking for pastor president, not a sovereign president or the president of a sovereign nation. You wanted him to act like a pastor when he had to face off with Iran. And you wanted him to act like a pastor when he had to face off with all of these things. So you wanted him to do it the way your pastor did it. Meanwhile, your pastor's hiding behind the pulpit in the safe little building. The part, your, your elected officials, you keep wanting them to be to be really passionate. You want them to make you feel like you feel in church on Sunday morning when they're in Wednesday afternoon announcing a whole attack. So you you don't even know. I'm going to move us into the mind of a king because we like to say we're kings and priests. We like to say it because it sounds good. Doesn't it sound good? And don't have a sense of sovereignty at all. You have no idea what it is like for Jesus Christ as the King of Kings, as the Lord of Lords. You have no idea. And to look down in this nation and in this era and see almost, um, almost what, two-thirds of his church turn against him, vote for his adversary, y'all voted against your God, your Savior, and you think that it doesn't have a consequence. All Jesus will fix it. Even if he could, he won't. He's like, what's in it for me? Well, and, and we're going to talk about that. Maybe we'll get to it today, the whole the Lord will fix it thing. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> well, because I got family members that say that yeah, but Jesus is God, so he can fix it. He was fixing it through your correct vote. That's like having somebody wire your whole house and tell the electric company, don't bother plugging in. I, just, I got the wires. I feel good. Or you can miswire your house and tell the electric company to send some light. (laughs) The elect is a nation, not just a church congregation. I want you to write this in your notes so you don't ever forget it. Before we gathered as a congregation, that's a gathering of, of a particular mind of people. Before we gathered, we existed 
as the elect of God from before the foundation of the world. So all of these pastors are giving you these sermons about Christians shouldn't be in politics. I'm going to show you the next one. Get ready to get either excited or mad. Get ready. The Christian is a follower. The elect is family. So when the following was uncomfortable, you stopped being a Christian. The elect was born as a family. We are the family of God. We're the offspring of the Godhead. We back our dad. We don't have to understand his whole mind. You were raised by people you didn't understand all your days. And you know what? You still you still obey. Went home for dinner. <laughs> Slept in the bed. Went shopping for school clothes. They helped you with your homework. They didn't know what they were doing, and you were okay with that. A Christian is a look it up by definition. It's a follower of Christ. It has nothing to do with salvation. That's why God calls us the elect. So you better know if we are the elect and we must make our election sure, guess what we need to be often involved in? The election. See, that kills all. I, I found a, guy, a pastor online. He was so proud of himself. 27 reasons why people, why Christians should not be in government and politics. Yeah, well, you probably be right. Because Christ is not going to follow the world. But I'm going to tell you right now, the elect has a duty. Because Jesus said, whoever sins, you retain, that they are retained. Whoever sins, you remit, are remitted. What, are you, what is he saying? I'm putting it in your hands. What are you all going to do with it? Because, see, we worked this out. That's why Satan is down there with you all. If he had a choice, he wouldn't be on earth. Because heaven's so much better, so much more powerful, so much more pleasant. He's here because he, he he's in prison, but he's rose up, he had a revolution against his God. And he thought he could take over heaven. And heaven took him out. That's why he's here. Woe to the earth. See, he's here. I know a lot of times, I have to keep quoting some scripture because you all have listened to so many uh, audios and watched so many people and, and all of that talking about their little doctrine. And a lot of those theologians, they have to support the guy or the girl before them, mostly guys, that they have to support the theologian before them. But I don't want to unsay this or that or whatever, or they're trying to go back to the early church and the church fathers. You better read up on that, okay? Because God's issue is his family, the offspring of the Godhead, where his seed is, where his blood has saved and covered. That's where God is. Just because you follow Christ doesn't make you born again. Because, see, born again, following Christ was a matter of becoming Christ first. Because Christ makes no sense outside of salvation. He gets on your nerves. Well, let's go to the next one. (laughs) So you see all of these hands, and, and, and you see... So should we be in politics or not? Well, the line of Judah is sitting up there kind of helping us. So let's look at the wisdom of us staying in politics. Because, see, the reason they were able to push everything through, I've noticed the policy of the adversaries. And what I notice is that they gut the, the smug sleeping stronghold. They gut the lion so that they can pursue and overtake them with the dragon. They always do. If you ever notice, we always sleep. First of all, and they put us to sleep, and they put us to sleep with self-centeredness, 
passivity and egotism. I said to God one day, I said, Holy Father, because you know me and Jesus, we hang tough like that. I said, listen, I said, Holy Father, I want to ask you this. How do we always end up here? And he used a simple four-letter word, smug. He said, the self-warrior of smugness. You can't, you want to hear a real example of that in Scripture? Let's look at Samson. Smugness. The smugness of your strength, the smugness of your success. You get smug over it. And smugness literally comes from conceit. And then after that, you move into a hardiness to say, I am untouchable. And it's at that point that you fail. And that's whether you are a nation or whether you are a person. Smugness. He said the self-warrior of smugness. Because smugness means you are helping your adversary out. So your number one and number two has one problem, and that is replacing number one. Number two does not care about number three. They're like, eh. because they are so committed to pursuing number one that number that their, their number two spot is literally impervious to anything. Because when you're looking to top the best, you certainly are not going to be weak and pitiful about it. So number two has one problem, and that's number one. Number one has one problem, staying number one. So what does smugness do? Is smugness convinces you that you are untouchable, invincible, you're in control, that you're enviable, that you are delight, you know, a, a, a delightful, that people want you. You begin to look in at your achievement, and you pop in your achievement and your attainment, and when you park there, then you you get off the highway and the traffic of truth. So we came off the highway with the traffic of truth, and we parked in smugness as a country, as a nation. We parked there. And so this, and now why do I say traffic? Because traffic is still going back and forth trying to move us. Bills and, and visits and all of those kinds of things. So Samson, he goes and he plays around with his life. Now, when you read it, it is the stupidest account of a takedown. Anybody, read it in the CEV version. Read it in the CSV version. Come on, somebody. Read it in the King James. Read it in the BBE. I don't care what translation. That was the stupidest takedown of anybody we ever saw. This man... And, but, but he set the stage. I, I listened to it again this week. And he set the stage for his Delilah takedown because of his wife. His wife was the first woman that wormed her way into his will. I made a, I made a very important statement. Just she wormed her way into his will. We like to say heart, but see, it, there are a lot of men who are in love, but you can't move their will. They're like, no, 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 baby, no, sweetheart, you're cute. Yeah, they're, mm-hmm. oh, yes, honey, uh-huh, oh, that's so good. No. 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 Okay. And so she wormed, his wife wormed her way into his will to get the secret of how he killed all of those people. 
because he had made a bet. She betrayed him. Yeah. Ended up getting killed down the line, but she proved, because your, your takedown is never your first hit. Your takedown is the final bout. Never your first hit. And she just whined, and then she went and betrayed him and told his friends, told the people that he had bet how he did it so that they could win the bet. Now, I mean, she had to have hated him. And the man couldn't pick a good woman. You know, there's some brothers out there, boy, if a good woman walks by, you're going to call them an alien. Love you, bro. And it's so interesting because, you know, men are so easy to trick because of culture and the consciousness of culture and all of the training. So, they, But, again, men are, what is that, smugness? You're so smart that you just assume that we're all stupid. And we let you think it because it works. It works. We, 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 go ahead. we play dumb and dumb, baby, all day long. Yes. If it gets what we want because you forget. The human will is very cagey, but its, it, but its duty to its being, to its empathy, is to bring forth the most desired thing. So here he goes, and then he ends up, we don't even know, he ends up with, the, well, actually the Philistines already know because he already gave them a break. And so he goes, and they send in Delilah. Now, you don't even know that your woman's a plant. Eve, Delilah, you know, we can go on, Jezebel, just pick one. And so, mm-hmm, so he, they send her in, and they tell her, we're going to make you rich, girl. Make you real rich. This is what we want you to do. We have to kill this strong man. What are his weak spots? What is the secret to his strength? And so she goes, and he doesn't care. He's so smug. He's so sure of himself. He is really like, I am it. No, I, listen, nothing can move me. He had gotten so smug that because of all of his successes and all of his victories, he forgot the importance of keeping his secret. God cut a covenant with him. If you do this, you will be strong forever. You'll defeat all of your enemies, on and on and on. He said, but the minute you tell your secret, you have opened the gate to your enemy. Wow. So he goes, and he's got the lilac, and he uses some of the stupidest answers. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole thing is so stupid that you have to work hard to say, all men are not like that. <laughs> you got you to gotta work at that, because that is the dumbest thing. So he uses all of these stupid things. But if you do this, if you get some new ropes, if you do all of that, and she she believes him because her job she's on the ground again, and she's like, I'm gonna be rich, and I belong to the Philistines anyhow. I don't belong to you. I don't belong to Israel. I belong to the Philistines. I'm here taking care of my nation and my country. Okay, so I don't belong to you. So anyway, so he goes and he finally gets out, and it says, the thing says that she wearied him, and she wheedled him, and she nags him. And like his first wife, he couldn't even make the connection. The dum, the dum, the dum, the dum, 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 dummy. All right, anyway. <laughs> and so he says, 
he got, he, it was more important for him to have her every day than it was for his logic. She, I mean, literally, that girl was so intoxicated, she turned off his logic, his common sense, and his recall. Well, you know, if, if your nation is going to pay you to take down something, you better know you're good. You better know you're good. And so she was real good. And so she, and it says that, but she did something different. I wasn't even going to go the other way. Obviously. Listen, social media, I'll be here. I promise you. Be, this is good. I, not me. I was saying really good and theological and sermonic. And sermonic. And so, and it says, but she did something special that last night because she said it, she caused him to fall asleep. And then, and she nagged him. She wore him out and she nagged him. And so he tells her his secret because he's so arrogant. By now he's conceited and he's arrogant. He is like, and he, she's convinced him. Because people keep thinking, well, wasn't he stupid? No, no. She convinced him that he was the single most important thing in her life. That she was the only thing he could trust. The only thing he could feel safe with. The only thing. She convinced him. Because we, you know, we, you know, scripture, we just write, you know, God just goes, bump, 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 bump. And sometimes you want to say to the Lord, Lord, stop. Just hold for a minute. Just, just, I want, I want to chew on this here. So she made him feel so safe because he wouldn't have done it had she not made him feel safe. But also if he had not needed her safety net more than he needed his position. And see, you can tell because God was never, he never made anything the same, ever. Because, I mean, even the first wife. But son, why do you want to go marry her? You got, we got all these lovely women over here. You know, like them brothers that got to get the real unsaved woman, and the woman got to get the real unsaved. You need that little dirty boy, naughty boy thing going on. You need that dirty girl, naughty girl, because, hey, that's supposed to be really hot, hot nights. Because, you know, I don't want to get, uh-uh-uh, I don't want to get one that's too, too, and I don't want the one God chose, because I know that's going to be a boring marriage. Yeah, but at least it'll be a marriage, not a flame. But in any event, but when that, isn't that what y'all had a fling? You know, some of you three years and out. Some of you maybe ten years and out. Some of you are still in tears. <laughs> As the years mount up. Because you need that. He never cared for order. He never cared for tradition. He never cared for righteousness. He cared for one thing. And that was strutting his stuff. I am the strongest man in the land. And so, and what's not in there is all of the favors he did and all of the rescues he did. But but when the world came, all we remember is that he was, you know, half bald and blind. Is that not Ezekiel 33? Nobody remembers that he was the man that did all of that. They don't. All they remember is that he was the stupid man that told a woman his secret to his power who hated him. And she betrayed him. So he goes and he tells her, and she said, this time, but this is the stupid 
point. I got to hit something. I don't have anybody here. Let me hit a bell. Let me hit a this. Let me hit this. What else I got? I got a flat clock. Yay. There we go. Hallelujah. I needed something living. Baby, she was doing him. 
Trust me, this is still the Jesus and Paul. Sorry, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is still the star of the show. We got him. He's we hanging top with him. You know, but I would imagine Jesus looking down on that. He said, look at that fool. He said, I'm going to have to kill him. Look at that fool. I'm going to have to kill him. Because he's, he's working his way up to me killing him. And it said, every time they came, the spirit of the Lord came on him. Because every time he got ready to to engage his strength, it says the spirit of the Lord came on him. So as far as he was concerned, him and God are tight. That God understands, you know. God, I, I'm a man. Man, God needs, you know. He understands. You know, we all know God's a guy. Come on. <laughs> so he definitely understands. He made us. And so, but that night, so she, he, he, he wakes up, and for the first time, he, to your point, he feels something he never felt before. God was gone. God was on the floor with that head. <laughs> Baby, let me just tell you this. Can you imagine if we had that hair? Baby, you know, if that was 2021, that hair would not have been gone in the garden. No, ma'am. Baby, <laughs> Baby, that would have been special. Honey, we have been. <laughs> Baby, we have Honey, and that, wait a minute, it'll be in the lab, we done made all of these, honey, let me say, all them women on chemo be like, I'm, I'm healed. No. I would be, I would be spraying it, I'm going to never get sick. Yeah. <laughs> honey, or Delilah, no, Delilah's pleasure, come on. Delilah, but so, but the point is, smugness took him out. And smugness will always take you out. You can't ever think more high because that scripture don't think more highly of yourself than you are. He who thinks he thinks, take heed lest you fall. The minute you get fall in love with your sand, you're about to fall. Look for the banana, look for the ice, look for the water, because you're about to fall. Bell. You like that? Look at her face. She want to hit it against so much. Go ahead. <laughs> she want to hit it against so much. You really needed to do this. She, her hand wouldn't even let it go. She was like, you know how to let it go. <laughs> so when, how do we get here? Smugness. We began to believe our own friends. And we thought that we, we maintained belief in it even though others did not. We traveled the nations in here. And if you don't travel the nations, you do not realize how much, oh, how the mighty have fallen. Yes. And they fell too and fell too and fell too. And so we're at a place now, I mean, when you think about even David, you know, David, when, I, when people are we're a nation of kings and priests, I said, have you, what, what, what king are we after? We need to figure out what king what kingly line we're following. And it's David. David is our model for kingship. Now, most, most saints, the modern saints, many of them do not like the idea of kingship because they like to say king, but they don't want to do monarchy. They don't. They want to do king, but they don't want to do sovereignty. You can't mix that up because eternity is a monarchy. Mm-hmm. We don't like that. 
And so, you know, humans ways is if a, if, if a person does it wrong, let's kill it, get rid of it, crush it, and throw it away. That's not God. God just repairs, restrains, recovers, you know, and uh, retains. Because God is a retainer. We are not. We are, you know, we're blasphemers if we want to be. We're claimers. We stake our claim until it hurts, you know. But God is a retainer. And so when we think about David, David is the best model for understanding Jesus Christ except for the two issues that he fell on. One was a woman, and the other was smugness. He counted the people. And God included that to let you know how easy it is for even the best leaders, the most dedicated and determined leaders, to fall on their own sword, the sword of smugness. So that was where David was. But outside of that, if you should look at David and how David views God's enemies and how he viewed his position as God's region and representative, rather, and sovereign in the, in the planet, when you read that, you learn Jesus because Jesus is that. So let's look at some of this. We're, we're almost done. Are y'all enjoying? Yes. So we've got the line of Judah. We've got the wisdom. Do you see the street sign? What does the street sign say? On the corner of religion and politics, the intersection of religion and politics. Isn't that a nice signpost? And so when we look at that and we can see that, but let's look at us and, so who is Jesus? <clears throat> Isaiah, we kind of all know Isaiah 7, um, I believe it's 14. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Now you understand that today we can't call him a son under this crazy thing that the prophets were are so proud that they prophesied. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, years back, um, a a, a version of the Oxford Bible made Jesus a she. Okay? So you see how long they've been working on this. But see, when you just live in your prophetic circle in the restaurants and in people's houses and in your little round tables, you don't understand the enemy because you don't get outside of your sphere. You never hear all of the things that are coming against the God you claim to represent. For unto us a son is given... And the government, and what the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. That's the miraculous side of him. Counselor, that's the wisdom side of him. The mighty God, that's the warring side of him. And then the everlasting Father, that is the, uh, help me God, the uh, progenitor side of him, the reproductive side of him. And lastly, the Prince of Peace, that's the conquest, conquering, diploma, or ambassadorial side of him. And the government will be upon his shoulders. Now, if it's on Jesus' shoulders, and Jesus is the head, and we're the body, where is government? On us. And through him, through that government resting on our shoulders, the shoulders of his family, the shoulders of his, um, of his offspring, we have wonderful, wonders should be coming from us. And counselor, we should be the advisor. God said to um, Israel, I believe it is in Deuteronomy 6, he said to Israel that the nations will look at your wisdom and envy your wisdom. And they'll say, what nation is there like you in all the earth that has such wisdom and have God near enough to tell them? We threw that away. That wisdom is the word of God. 
we threw it away and we bought the wisdom of the world. We downgraded to the wisdom of fallen gods and fallen deities. Mm-hmm. Now, so here we are. When you start telling me that, I ask them, well, where do we put Isaiah 7, 14? If the and instead of the, let me get this right. I want to get it right because I, I, I don't think it's that. I'm going to think it's also another one I want to say. Seven, um, I want to check it. I have to check it because I read it. I listen to a lot of words. Sometimes you need a book so you can mark it. Yeah, you know, sometimes you just need a book. Can we just get a book? Yeah, you know, me and paper are friends. You know, I never signed on for the paperless anything. I just, I just, you know, fewer paper, maybe paper less, but not, not no paper. <laughs> Less paper. Not no paper. No paper. Okay, less paper, but not, not paper less. Not no paper. I need some paper. Okay, Isaiah, I want to go to Isaiah 7 because it's important that we all, I guess this would help too, wouldn't it? Wait a minute. I'm going to go 7 and then I'm going to go 9. Okay. So, because the 7 is the virgin shall be, here's 9 coming up there. 7 is the virgin shall be a child. And I want us to understand that that's the key to who we are and what God is doing. It says in 714, and here's what I like about it. And he said, here, ye are now, the 13th verse, house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men, but you, will you weary my God also? Now, you know, we don't weary God. You know, he's not tired of us. Bless his heart. I'm sure he's good tired of us, you know. We hanging on, you know. He's probably got a couple of, you know how he said he's nerds. Okay, therefore the Lord himself should give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So Emmanuel being God with us. I'm going to go over here, and that's where Gabriel comes up and says it. To let you know that this is way back with, with Isaiah. We get all the way up to Gabriel and Luke, and it's like, really? Okay. Um, and so as we go here, which lets you know how eternal prophecy is. Huh. Now, um, six. Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. I like that, the Mighty God. Well, are you sure Jesus is God? Well, first of all, if you were saved, you wouldn't have a question. You'd be telling it. There would be a testimony and not a question. The everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of, now they added this, but this is important, of the increase of government and peace. There shall be no end upon the throne of David. It's important. It's David's government that God eternalized and perpetuated. Okay? The throne of David and upon his kingdom to, this is why, this is us, the government on his shoulders, David, upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, it's important that you recognize that, that we're not here to do the government of any other king. Our government is the government of David, literally, the government of David the king. Now, you're going to love it because as we go on, just write that down, Isaiah 9, 7, 7 um, and 8, because it's, I'm sorry, 6 and 7. Yeah, I'm down here at 8 with my hand. 
Okay, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. But I want to go to the next scripture because I want you to understand, it's nice for a pastor to tell you that. It's nice for a preacher and a prophet to tell you that. But there is no biblical basis for Christians or God's children not taking the reins of power, government, and authority. And they knew it, but smugness brought us into the medieval church. Because smugness will always make you overspend, overbuy, get in debt, and because you overestimate yourself. Mm. And you overestimate your situation and your circumstances. Wow. Oh, we can do it. I mean, what is that? That's based on overestimation. As if we know tomorrow. We don't know tomorrow, but we need to do it because we, I mean, how many people going to come up with whatever kind of money? Exodus 19.6, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. This is not a church. We like to say we're spiritual Israel when we actually want to just be congregational Israel. Spiritual Israel. All right, and then First Peter, but ye are a cho- this is important, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. The new birth brings us into the nationality of Jesus Christ, the first begotten Son of God. The new birth makes us, brings us into God's eternal nation that Paul talked about in, in Ephesians, that after of whom all the heavens and the earth or all the families of the heaven and the earth are named. We are called nations. I told you, God calls us nations probably as much as he calls us Christians. Or, 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 as a matter of fact, Christians only call us Christians three times. He never did. God never called us Christians. Now, I realize that's our cover story because the, na- the label has stuck. But understand, we are the elect of God. We are the offspring of the Godhead, and we are a nation. Any time a king has offspring, it means that he's created a nation. Mm-hmm. Same thing with queens. So don't think that it's, you know, because I don't have a gender issue, but, you know, some people do. <laughs> and this is Jesus' words himself, knowing who he was. Because if you, 1,300 plus times scripture mentions David. 1,300 plus times. Do you realize that that is huge? It is almost as much many times as Jesus or Messiah is mentioned. Write the following to the angel of the congregation in Philadelphia for these. Now, this is not our translation, so we're going to go to one. Because I want you to understand Jesus' identity. Jesus identifies himself as David, the eternal David, the reason that King David was ever born. Where is where is my let me find my Bible? Let me find the pages rather. Okay, ooh, I made it right there. And to the angel of the church. Now you see, now I got this from the VE VBE version. You see how they change it so you we lose our identity? Don't you love it? Hold on, you stay there. You stay up there if you can. I want to go here. Can you stay there? I knew you could. I just really like working with this woman. She just makes doing challenging things and new things fun. So I want you. I want you to see this, so that you can see how often that how often these that, that these. 
translations downgrade us from who we are, downgrade our nationhood, downgrade our nationality as offspring of God as Christ, downgrade our status in that as Jesus sees. It's important that we know that because you have to start looking at it. Because when I look at that, and, it, and you, I thank God for the word of the Lord. But when I look at it, and I, you have it still up there? Oh, you don't, huh? Sorry. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry, but I'll be there in a minute. I'll be back. I'll be back in a minute. But when you look at the church, and it says, of course, in here, Ecclesia, uh, Ecclesia is um, G1577, and it says, a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place, an assembly. An assembly of people convened at the public place of the council for the purposes of deliberating. Does that sound like government to you? Yes. Sound like politics to you? By definition? Yes. All right, the assembly of the Israelites, any gathering or throng of men assembled by chance tumultuously, that means a mob or a riot. We've been known to do that. In, in Christian sense, an assembly of Christians gathered for worship in a religious meeting. Do you see how it changed? Now here we were we were willing and we were then governing. Down here now we just worship. Okay? Because this is all a lot of these translations were based on the fact that the monarchs of the land had a problem with another king, especially one that they couldn't call to war. And so they they, they began to attack the people. So here in the Christian sense, that's why we didn't left. In the Christian sense, it's an assembly of Christians gathered for worship in a religious meeting, and then lastly, um, yeah, almost. Uh, and then, look at this: a company of Christians or those who open for eternal salvation through Jesus Christ observe their own religious rites, hold their own religious meetings, and manage their own affairs according to regulations prescribed for the body for order's sake. What is that? This is fair. Okay, those who anywhere in a city, village constitute such a company and are united to one body and the last one, assembly of faithful Christians. So if you're a Christian, you can't be in government. That's what this thing. But we're the elect. Right. So we're the top half. Right. Y'all could be locked in the church. Mm-hmm. You can be hiding behind the wall. Mm-hmm. And eventually they're going to come and tear your walls down. Right. And destroy your, empty out your churches as they told us. Did they not do it? So when you look at the way that the way they do it, when it comes to the church, we are no longer out of the building. We are no longer part of the world. We are hiding away. We're like this little little monastic group, a monastic body. Because that monastic Christianity, once you always hiding in some sort of monastery or abbey or something, and you're not, so that you stay out of Satan's way. Is that powerful? Because I really wanted you, I wanted us to get that. And so he's telling us, now let's go back to 3-7, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things says he who is A, holy, B, he is true, he that is true, I'm the way, the truth, and the light, he that hath the key of David, that open, now hear this because this is us, that open and no man shut, and shut and no man open. And he goes on to say, I know that work, and he goes on to tell you how they are. You know, they're, they're, they're fighting with the synagogue of Satan because back then we didn't have separation of church and state. Back then, deities established states. And they did so by establishing themselves or repopulating, appropriating themselves as nations. Is that good? 
so we are all on the same page. I'm back on. Did you see I'm back on? I'm coming to the end. And then Isaiah 22, 15 is the most important part of this as far as understanding how God thinks and deals. Isaiah, and if anybody knows, you know that we are co- we're constantly in the prophets. That's why you can't be a prophet and not having read this. Now, you can be a prophesier. Because the only way God will tolerate that is if you're in a nation where they don't have scripture, and you can rest assured he's going to teach you himself because he's going to teach you about himself. So when we think about it, you know, I, I, I love doing what I do. And I'm really good at it on purpose because I know, you know, people are like, oh, well, you know, you can't say you're good. Well, I don't know why we can't say we're good. Everybody else can say they're good. Yeah. You know, serial killers. I mean, the government told them, yeah, well, you know, good stuff. I mean, that mind, we could use that fiendish mind. They become test cases, and then they become advisors. And, and, and ter- I'm like, why not us? Yeah. So I just decided I'm going to say it. And so um, I'm, I am. I'm saying, you know, I'm going to say it. Yes, I am. 22, 15. Thus say, now listen to this. And if you study this with, uh, with Strong's, you're going to really appreciate the meaning. Thus says the Lord God of hosts. This is Isaiah. Go, get thee to this treasurer or steward, whichever your translation says, even unto Shebna, which is over the house, and say, what do you have here? And whom have you here? Who have you here? You have cued thee out a sepulcher here. And I want to say this. In other words, he's saying smuggling. He felt he was, because he had cut so many deals and made so many arrangements, he felt that he was equal to Stalin and made himself Stalin. And he went and he, he made himself, because, you know, great people were supposed to cue their own tombs, carve their own tombs before they died. And so he said to him, you appear like you're in a high place. <laughs> okay, and habitation for yourself in a rock. Behold, the Lord will carry thee away with a mighty captivity and will surely cover you or bury you. He will surely violently turn and toss you like a ball into a large country. There you will die, and there the chariots of thy glory shall be the shame of thy Lord's house. Because he was supposed to be taking care of God's business, supposed to be taking care of God. Like, yeah, a lot of these young pastors now turning into turning their churches into homosexual centers. What is that? That's Asherah, Baal. Isn't it? That's what it is. Asherah, Baal, Marduk, all of that. Why? Because to them, they have when you see that that pastor, that leader has already cut covenant with a fallen deity. And because we keep separating faith from the deity, people don't recognize that. We talk about idolatry and don't tell you what the idol's name is and what the idol's history is or legacy is. I'm coming to an end. Tell somebody she's coming there. But look at what he said. He said, verse 19, and I will drive you from your station. And some, and some translation says office. And from your state or your estate and shall pull you down. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Tokiah, and I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with thy girdle. And I will commit thy government his hand. And he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. Here's where I want to go. This is important. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder so he shall open and none shall shut. And he shall shut and none shall open. 
and I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place, and he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house, and they will hang upon him father's house, the offspring and their issue, all vessels of small quantity, from the vessels of cups, even to all the vessels of flagons. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, shall the nail that is fastened in a sure place be removed and be cut down and fall, and the burden that was upon it shall be cut off, for the Lord has spoken it. Now, if you read that in one of those other translations, it's really going to give you a lot of insight into a lot of insight into how God rules and that we are the rulers of the planet. That is why you see all of these Avenger movies and all of these Marvels and DC this and that, because Jesus wanted for us. But we keep advocating because we keep finding reasons to, to be like they in the cave. We're hiding in the house. And we don't want to come out and take it. I say to you, why did I do this? I'm ending on this word. Why did I do this? Why are we here? I did this for all of you who are wondering. You hear God telling you, I need you to run for office. I need you to get involved. I need you to take a seat. I need you to do it. You can't even get good intercessors because they're too busy believing that you're stepping out of the will of God. You may be stepping out of your congregation. You may be stepping out of your church building. You may be for a while vacating your pew, but you are still in the kingdom of Christ, and the kingdom of Christ needs warriors. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violence take it by force. But today, the force is twofold, as we've seen. The first force is money, and the second one is position. We've seen that. I think I'm done. I think we're done. I think I'm done. They told me to say bye. See you Sunday. Now, first of all, share, share, share. Share with everybody and so, so, so. Especially those of you who are, God is telling you to run for political office. Start with your school board. Start with your city and town council and work your way up. Flood your community with the offspring of the Godhead. Stop worrying about being Christians in politics and be the offspring of the Godhead who are taking the kingdom by force. Sow a seed. They'll show you how to sow it online. And until Sunday at the Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands, be blessed.